Hello, people of the world and of the gamosphere. I am Kerfmurf, and this is the How Long to Beat podcast. I am one of your three hosts today. I have two others with me, if they will introduce themselves after they stop laughing into their sleeves. I don't have sleeves, so I don't know what you're talking about. I'm Ninjarit, you'll know me from the forums. I'm the token Brit on the podcast. Oh, I'm Ultimate Zombie Test. I'm the token female on the podcast. Yeah, there we go. And I guess yeah. I'm the token ginger, even though you can't <laughs> see my hair, so that doesn't matter. All right. Uh, so, since this is the inaugural episode, we will go ahead and introduce ourselves so we won't have to do it in the future. Uh, so, as I've said, I am Kerf Murph. Uh, I play mostly Nintendo games, I suppose. Uh, Mario and Zelda are my bread and butter. I have also dabbled in, you know, my fair share of indie games and whatnot. Getting a gaming desktop was a very transformational moment for me, so you can find me on that most days. But don't find me on that, because that would be creepy. Alright, who wants to go next? Go on then, I'll jump in. Uh, so, I'm Rick. I'm mainly a handheld gamer, or at least I have been for a long time. My laptop, until two years ago, couldn't actually run Minecraft. So, for context, that's where I'm sat. Uh, I've just got a PS3. I started jumping into indie stuff. Um, and I, I guess sort of catching up on a lot of the games that I haven't kept up with over the past decade or so. But, uh, yeah, I'll play pretty much everything, unless it is a strategy game, like a real-time type thing. Everything else, I'll pretty much try my hand at anything. Um, I'm Ultimate Zombie Toast. Uh, I, well, I started off playing Nintendo I, uh, since I was like two. Uh, so I have a special place in my heart for them. But now that I'm older, I um, play a lot of visual novel, pretty much anything. I, I love open world and I love, you know, good stories. Anything that can craft a good story, in my opinion, deserves to be played and deserves to, uh, you know, just serve as a reminder of, like, how amazing video games can be. All right, solid, solid, like, solid snake. All right, so, um, we are gonna go ahead and jump into our conversation here. Um, just as a heads up, since we are a new Just Getting Started podcast, we're still finding our feet a little bit, uh, but today we're just gonna be talking a little bit about the games we've been playing recently, uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about the current game of the month on HowLongToBeat.com, which is Odin Sphere, and then we're going to take some questions from the forums. So, to get started, what have you guys been playing recently? So, my most recent completion, and this is a really out-of-left-field game to sort of jump off this podcast in general with, is Stuntman for the Game Boy Advance, which, not a particularly popular series, not a particularly popular port, but it's really good. It's easy to play it and forget that you're playing a Game Boy Advance. It really does look like something you maybe find on an early PlayStation um, disc. It, it's full 3D. The only sort of concession you find is that the way they've made the 3D work means that when you're driving past walls, certain walls sort of curve outwards and break the wall a little bit. But really good game. It, it runs well. It, it does everything that the console version of it does. And it's given me an excuse to play my micro, which I've just got, and it's phenomenal. It's a lovely <laughs> little piece of kit. 
really really nice so it's a it's a racing game sort of so it i guess you could probably call it one of the first simulator games so you are a stuntman so you're hired to go and perform in these films and they are knockoffs of kind of genres and things that you'd find in real life so one of the films that you perform scenes for is scarab of the lost souls and it's like an indie type ripper so (laughs) one of the scenes you're driving a tuk-tuk and you're chasing um a land rover through this egyptian scenery there's another one where you're driving in and around the pyramid in a in a motorbike and essentially it's it's a little bit like a, a score attack game so you you have to hit certain things in certain orders so there'll be a yellow box on the floor and your director will say over the mic handbrake 90 and you have to do a handbrake turn in that box and if you do it you get a little check if you don't you don't so there'll be things where uh, you have to clip a certain wall or you have to pass through an area just as the explosions people have set the pyrotechnics to go up. Oh and gosh, I remember playing that game when I was younger. Yeah, it's. I haven't played the original. I've played the port of it on the advance and I played... They did a sequel, Ignition, I think it was, on the PS2. And that, I mean, if you if you haven't played the series, that really is where to go because that's the pinnacle of it. But the, the GBA port's a really nice way of playing it on the go. Uh, it's been really, again, because the levels are quite short and it's very much, you know, you have a crack through and then you can just turn the thing off. It's been really nice for commuting. It's kind of, your description of it is giving me flashbacks to a completely unrelated game. But um, do you guys remember the movies? The Lionhead game, the movies? No. Was that one of the Connect ones? No, this was, okay, so this was... Back in, like, the mid-2000s, I guess, uh, Lionhead released a PC game called The Movies, and... Oh my god, I remember that. It there was you like go! Games, but it wasn't. Yeah, because you, you you're making movies. Movie. Yeah, so basically you own a movie studio. It's like Roller Coaster Tycoon, but for a movie studio. So you have to, like, build sets, hire actors, hire directors, writers, and everything. Um, and then... I mean, the, the campaign mode was a little iffy. It was kind of complex and out there, but, like, the actual meat of it was getting to make your own movies that you could, you know, cast different characters, put them in all sorts of costumes, give them different actions. Um, There was a huge community for it um, where people could make their own movies and then upload them online. It's still going. It's still going! Yeah, I, I think about two years ago, I re-downloaded the, the game, and I was just like, huh, this will be really fun. And yeah, there was still stuff on, like, um, I think it was on, like, a Sims forum? There's still stuff going on about, like, the movies. Oh my it god, that's incredible. When you, when you describe it, it sort of sounds like the Sims 20th Century Fox edition. Yeah, yeah it's basically. It's essentially the Sims. And having consulted my friend G, i.e. Google, it was made by Lionhead, which means it's it's Fable developers. Yeah. Yeah. Fable, black and white, all that jazz. It's not as good as Fable, but, you know, it's it's still really fun. Yeah, Mm. I mean, the campaign, like I said, is, is not the reason to go into it, but the actual movie creation side of it is just a blast to use um 
Do you remember any of the movies you made for it, Zombie Toast? Oh, no. I just remember it being surprisingly comprehensive. Okay. And, um, you know, I was pretty angsty when I had it. I was in my, like, 12-year-old <laughs> tween, like, so I remember making some really cringy stuff. Yeah, um, I just remember... I remember, because, I mean, we were around the same age when it came out, so I was in my uh, horny middle school phase, and I kept making movies where I would make the characters, like, make out, and there was, like, one of the animations you could make them do that was, like, vaguely sexual. <laughs> yeah, no, not like that at all. I just remember making uh, reference, like, fanfic crap. It wasn't yeah. like a My Chemical Romance tribute film, was it? it was... <laughs> no, it was not. <laughs> Just a black parade marching down at me. <laughs> oh, anyway, yeah. So, Stuntman. <laughs> yeah, Stuntman. Um, polishing up the DLC for Shadow of Mordor, which it's not quite as good as the main campaign, but it's, it's sort of more of the same. So that was fun. Not much to say about that. And Is then, that the the new the new like Mordor game? The uh, new, the new Shadow of War. No, I haven't. I haven't touched. Oh, okay. Because I've I've been my friend's been playing it. And it looks like trash. No offense. Well, <laughs> it looks like they've sort of gutted the system. So the whole idea in Shadow of Mordor was you have to um, defeat these orc warlords in battle, um, kind of mind control them to your side, and then work your way up to the five kind of elite chiefs at the top and essentially install five of your own people in those slots. But what they seem to have done with the new one, and bearing in mind I haven't played it, this is just from kind of things that I've seen and read, what they seem to have done is put a loot box system into that. So you can yeah. real to get a chief of your own to put in those positions. And so obviously the game suffered a little bit because they want to incentivize you to put more money into that system. So... I won't touch that, but I mean, I got the Game of the Year edition for Shadow of Mordor for like £4 in a Steam sale. It was like, at that price, I can't really complain at all. I yeah, I think it would be worth a little bit more than that. You know, I don't know. I think animations were kind of lackluster on it. If that's what you're playing the game for, then maybe... Well, no, I'm just saying that, like, for a game that's supposed to be, like, super... It, it's supposed to make you like live out the fantasies of like Lord of the Rings of you being a Lord of the Rings character. I don't think it necessarily did that. Well, I mean, the DLC sort of does. So there's a... <laughs> I don't think the game's canon, but there's a brilliant bit that's like a prequel where the the elf character, Celebrimbor, um, squares up to Sauron and he's wearing the One Ring and the line is, and I quote, I am the one true Lord of the Rings. <laughs> So, I mean, in that sense, it sort of does, I guess. Just name-dropping? Yeah, just a little bit. It's, um... Yeah, it's... I'm trying to think. There's a sketch I've seen once, and they did a thing like that, and it's unlikely lines in movies, and things like, I am the Tomb Raider, or <laughs> I am Indiana Jones, and I will raid start type thing. It just scratches that weird, that weird nub of it. But it's... The other thing is, I only just got PS3. My main console for a good five or six years was a Wii. So I probably, I'm not burnt out. I know. 
<laughs> For the audience at home, toast is pulling a face you can only imagine you would pull if you had weak old cheese under your nose. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of the, the motion controls, not at all. No, I, but the, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't that terrible, and I didn't know. Are you that. sure about that? Are you just <laughs> you know like having P, like PTSD and like making it better in your mind? Are we about to I throw down maybe. here? <laughs> maybe fisticuffs here. Maybe Mario's taken over a weird portion of my head. Um, <laughs> but I'm probably not burnt out on those that genre in the same way that other people are. And also, I it's a leap up for me regardless of how good or bad the conditions are. All right. Um, so, I feel like I should ask, since we are the How Long to Beat podcast, how long did it take you to beat Stuntman? Um... Literally three hours. Okay. Which... So by literally, you mean it was three hours on the dot. No, like, seconds or milliseconds. It was literally three hours. Yeah, bang on. Exactly (laughs) three hours. Which was weird, because there's no separate listing for the advance game. And the only completion time for the PS2 version was 30 hours. So it had been skewing my time to beat on my current playing games for... um, excuse me, for the past week while I've been playing it. So when I finished it, a whole day of time just sort of disappeared from my estimated time to beat. <laughs> um, and the whole of Shadow of Mordor, DLC and all, took me just over 32 hours, which, again, I paid £4 for it. I really can't complain. And then the last game I've been playing recently, and this is a weird one because we were talking about this before we started recording. We've all been playing obscure DS games this past week or two. And my TM Obscure DS game of the podcast is Moon, which is a first-person shooter. So for anyone who's familiar with first-person shooters on the DS, uh, Renegade Kid made the two-dimension games, and this was sort of their third game. And it's, it's very much a horror game set in space. So it's a bit like Dead Space. Ooh, woof, woof. Sorry about that. Special guest this week. Um, It controls well. I mean, if you guys remember when Kid Icarus came out on the 3DS, there were all those complaints about the controls. It's very much the same kind of control scheme, but with a D-pad instead of an analog knob. No, thank you. See, the thing is, in motion, it actually isn't a problem. It works. You're never really swamped with all that many enemies. It's all about the atmosphere more so than any kind of particular um, kind of trigger finger skill that you'd find from a Call of Duty or a Halo. It's more about building a world and building a tension. And so you're only ever facing two or three enemies at one time or one big boss. It's not overly difficult. And when you consider the hardware limitations, it really really pulls it off. I mean, I paid a little bit more than I would have liked to because it's not a big print-run game. There weren't all that many copies of it out, but I'm I'm pretty happy I did, and I had a good time with it. It's, I'd definitely say play the Dimension games first if you're wanting to scratch that itch on a DS. I don't know why you would. I think I'm probably a bit weird in that regard, but it, the Dimension games and it are all solid, and they do still hold up. All right, and uh, how much time did you put into that one? Uh, that one was, I think it was five hours. Let me just double check in my computers. Man, you're quick at defeating names. 
I am super slow. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I do seem to just power my way through. Especially recently, like the last year, my numbers have just skyrocketed. Yeah, I believe you said yesterday that you were playing like two games and then this morning, like, you know what, screw you. <laughs> to be fair, they were, I'd been playing them before I was just finishing them off. And I like struggle um, to defeat four games a month. <laughs> uh, yeah, so with Moon, I clocked the story in four hours 44 and then I spent another half hour or so clearing up some of the bonus missions. It doesn't... It's called Moon. It doesn't have anything to do with the... the movie Moon, does it? No, it doesn't. Um, And it's weird, because they came out about the same time as well. But no, they're they're completely separate properties. So, Moon the film, which... It's not a great film. I've watched it. Oh, hey, man. Don't you diss Moon. Oh, have I stepped on a toe? It's Duncan Jones, man. Duncan Jones can do no wrong. Except, I don't know whether it's the moon's gravity or not, but he moves snail's pace in that film. And it's just a blatant rip-off of 2001 A Space Odyssey. In so many regards. I'm sorry, but that is my verdict. All right. Well, while I am Googling uh, and buying my plane ticket to fight Ninja Rick 1v1, uh, what have you been playing, Zombie Toast? Uh, I have been playing um, lots of visual novels, but I won't get into that here. Uh, but I've been playing Fallout 3. Um, I It's like a replay, but not quite. Um, my friends call me the Bethesda Breaker. I <laughs> tend to... Uh, I've never actually defeated any of their games. They always break long before I get to the ending. So I'm trying <laughs> for, you know, like the 12th time to make it past Fallout and Hope that it doesn't break this time. Hey, that's it's a goal. <laughs> I have, I think. Um, well, it's starting to. I'm about fifty hours in. So that's when things start getting a bit. But it's I a mean, race against the clock to actually defeat the game. <coughs> Why is it a case of once you hit a certain time, things start going more and more? Yeah. Yes. Actually. Yeah. That and um, I think there's a certain point in Fallout Three where it. Uh, there's like a rotunda near the na- National Archives where if you go in there, that tends to break the crap out of it. And that's an area I just went through. And now walls are starting to appear where there weren't walls in doorways. Oh. And so I'm breaking it again. But I mean, I, don't, don't Bethesda games sort of break themselves, though? Isn't yeah. Sort of the... They do, I but wish. dang, that's that's. For it to happen recurringly like that, that's way more unlucky. I have never beat a Bethesda game because I just tend to really break them. I push them too hard. And I don't even (laughs) mod them. I play them vanilla. It's If I play them mod, it it took me like 10 hours to break Skyrim modded, and I had like one... I don't don't know. Something's wrong with me. (laughs) But um, aside from another replay of Fallout 3, I'm playing... Xenogears, which is I, I played Xenosaga and I was like, you know, the animation, like the CGI animation uh, I thought it was a good game, but it really didn't age very well I would say the reverse for Xenogears, I think it plays and looks phenomenal for how old it is I think it's fantastic 
And uh, now that's, uh, is that an action RPG? Yes, it's kind of weird to describe, because it's, like, fantasy RPG with mecha. Yeah, that's, it was like a precursor to, uh, like, the Xenoblade series, right? Yes, um, Xenogears is the, technically the, the first, but not really, because they're not, and then after that is Xenosaga, one, two, and three, uh, and then Xenoblade. Nice. Huh. respective order. So is it is it like turn based or is it action time or is it? It is um, turn based, like hmm. all of them are, I think. Right. I, I mean, Xenoblade isn't, but like you say, it's not necessarily as connected as they yeah. would appear. Yeah, Xenoblade Chronicles. I would describe. I wouldn't even know how to describe it. It's like a first person MMO almost. Or single-player yeah. MMO. A, a, little, a little bit, yeah. Not first-person, single-player. Xenoblade yeah. isn't really like that. It's more of, like, the idea of it that's sort of similar. Uh-huh. I liked it better. Or I'm liking it a little bit better than I really liked Xenoblade. I think I played it on the Wii, and I was not as impressed as I could have been. Ooh. You might have to delay your tickets, Kurt, because I'm probably going to have a fight to deal with before you. Hey, I'm, I'm going to grab a ticket with you. <laughs> well, I played it when I was younger, and I didn't get very far. So if I gave it a chance now, I'm sure that having the, the knowledge beforehand would make it better. I just don't really like the Wii as a system. We can fight on that if you want. <laughs> you could always... <laughs> you could always... <laughs> Excuse me. You could always get the uh, 3DS version... They re-released I, I it. it oh, you do? Okay. Yes, I have to get around to it because I have like um, I carry around like a deck box for Yu-Gi-Oh, and it has all my um, 3DS cartridges in it, um, and I have to dig it out because either that or I'm going to have to get another one because it's starting to get a little full. There's such a beautiful juxtaposition there between being organized enough to have a box for your playing cards, and then disorganized <laughs> enough that that box is being used to hold your game cards. <laughs> Well, I don't. I play Yu-Gi-Oh. I think the last time I played, like the Madolche set was just coming out, and I was like, "Ooh!" And I played for a little bit, and I was like, "No." My brother keeps up with the meta. I gave up years ago. Like when I was a kid, I was proper into it for a little while. I think I've still got my cards back somewhere, but it just sounds so horrendous of a thing to try and keep up with now. It, it's really tough, and I realized um, after playing for a few years. I was playing completely wrong. So um, I went to tournaments, and they were like, do you realize that you're an idiot? And I'm like, I did it before, but I know how. <laughs> and so it I sounds like, like that is a, a six-month process recurring. Depending oh, yeah, on what it, it changed my world, having, like, 11-year-olds be like, how are you so stupid? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Man. Those Maybe. 11-year-olds, they'll wreck you. <laughs> Maybe dragging us back on topic. What was your trademark? I was just going to bring that up. My DS game was Ghost go. Trick, and um, my sister has a copy. I didn't play it, but um, like I was looking at it, and I'm like, oh, I should play this. And I did, and oh my goodness, is it phenomenal. It's what so good. Oh, uh, so glad so you liked it. I love it. The art is so, like, oh, I could just, like, bathe in that art. <laughs> I could be surrounded by like the cuteness all the time, and it, I would never get <laughs> old. It would it would just be great. 
What about the ending? Did it like rock your world? Oh no, I'm finished. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, I'm still on. <laughs> I told you, I'm really slow at finishing games, so I go through maybe a chapter a day. Okay. So I'm on chapter nine. Oh, that's like what halfway maybe? That's halfway through the game. Okay. Like yeah. Yeah, I'm really slow at finishing games. It's there's not really much rush for me. Hey, I mean, you get to relish in it even longer. Yeah. <laughs> so true. Got to bathe in the beautiful art. Yeah, I really need to replay that game because that. That's like a top, maybe not top ten, definitely top twenty all time favorite game. I would say, top, say top fifty 10. for me for, for like now. Mm-hmm. I love the way they draw animals though. Like Missile and the cat are so cute. Missile, oh, I love Missile. Back to me now. <laughs> <laughs> I also, I also just found the puzzles to be really clever. Um, I do, but I don't like the timing on them. Okay, yeah, I can see that. See, I thought that was pretty cool. It's, it maybe it scratches the same kind of itch as Stuntman does, but it's sort of seeing everything fall into place at exactly the right. I know. I what satisfies me about that. I love it, but at the same time, it's um, they make you rewatch the entire cutscene if you mess up, and that yes, was something yeah. that I was not very. It would be so much better if it just like put you back in the moment, but it's. I have to re-watch an entire cutscene, and that gets old fast. So yeah, which definitely. which of the ghost powers have you used so far? Ghost powers? Like, well, like it, the the ghost tricks, whatever they call them, um, oh, wait, in the puzzles. You know, actually do something, you mean? Well, I mean, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody who would be listening, but um, I think the, the basic ones, like bringing people back and... Uh, like talking to them and going through phones. I think I like the. F- I think I re- there's something really gratifying about traveling through objects. Mm-hmm. I like the way the fluidity of it. It's really, really. I like the way they did it because it it has this really satisfying noise when you do it too. It's like. <laughs> sh- yeah. Wait, have you played Mario Odyssey? Yes. Do you do you know the sound that it makes when you're traveling through power lines? Um, yeah. In in Bowser's Kingdom, where it's like that awesome like asian themed music mm-hmm. that is my jam i uh, there, there's certain sounds that are just a joy to listen to the the traveling through objects and then like the electricity noise on the bowser kingdom and mario odyssey i could just like put that on repeat and it's like oh <laughs> did you guys um zombitos you may be aware of this but um the electricity oh. traveling noises in um any kingdom uh, it harmonizes with the music I did. in that I kingdom. Did. That's why it's so satisfying. Yeah, I love it so much. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it it will actually um, depending on like the way that the music changes or goes like up or down, then the harmony will actually change uh, to fit whatever note is playing at the moment. And there were some other, like, tiny touches, but I don't remember them because I forget things easily. Nintendo is the best at just creating satisfying sound. Seriously. Like, yeah. <laughs> even really? outside of the games, just the Nintendo Switch clicking noise. They, um, they take it very seriously. Like, they're, if the sounds aren't satisfying, people aren't going to want to succeed. So they, they honestly think about that really hard. Oh, yeah. Like, you just think of their library, your Zelda's, your Metroid's... Iconic. All of the 
Yeah, exactly. But I was reading recently, apparently Naya Automata. Naya, Nia... I think it's near. We'll go with near. Near Automata. Apparently every song on that soundtrack has about six or seven different versions. And so different (laughs) parts of the song fade in and out depending on whether you're in battle, whether you're on low health, whether you're ascending, descending. So it's like contextual music and it it does different things to match and i mean i haven't played the game yet it's one i really really want to get to well well believe me friend we are going to be talking about it later in this very podcast episode when we get to our questions later (laughs) oh crap i haven't played it either i mean i really want to and i own it and i bought it for two different systems and i have yet to well, when you hear what I have to say about it, I hope that as soon as we log off today, you will both jump on and start playing it immediately. No, I like to torture myself. If I really like a game, I won't allow myself to play it. Oh, you gotta, I... You know, stab yourself in the heart a little first. I did that with Breath of the Wild. When it first came out, I, like, would not allow myself to play it for, like, it took a month for me to actually play it. That's how bad it was. I, I feel you. Um, I save games for rainy days and then never open them. <laughs> and then fall behind and get really sad. You Americans are just weird. I think that's weird. <laughs> oh, it's called being a masochist. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, uh, anything else you want to say about Ghost Trick? Any other games you're currently playing? No, I'm good. I want to hear what you have to say. Okay. Yeah. So, my currently playing list is rather long because I have a bad habit of starting, like, 12 games at once. Uh, So, I'll just talk about the ones that I'm kind of, like, actually actively playing. Uh, The full list is (laughs) five. So, I've got Breath of the Wild, which I, you know, just touch at uh, every now and then. Um, I've got Fire Emblem Fates Revelation, where I am currently trying to grind all of the supports, minus the fact that you can only marry one person. Uh, so <laughs> all of the non-marriage supports. Okay. Um, and then kind of more actively playing, I've got Dragon Ball Fighters, Z Fighters, whatever, and uh, the new Shadow of the Colossus. Ooh. Or I guess not new, but the remake of Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah. The PS4. The PS4 re-release, remake, reimagining, whatever. Um, I can't really talk too in-depth about that, I guess, because I've only beaten the first Colossus. Did you play the original? I mean, do you know how much they've actually changed for it? Right, yeah, I have played the original. Um, From what I can tell so far, um, it really does just seem like they took the old game and then they just built it from the ground up, kind of like doing a drawing when you're looking at an original drawing, tracing, right. whatever that's called. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, maybe as I get further on, I'll be able to tell the difference. Okay, here's the big, most important question. Okay. Does it control, like, absolute garbage still? <laughs> okay, um, so what... What specifically were your complaints with the original? Um, you know, I love the, the, the game, I guess. But um, <clears throat> the moving aggro was awful. Um, 
just moving in general was pretty bad. It felt like, you know, when you're playing a game that is supposed to be 3D, but isn't quite 3D, and it's almost like it's 2D, it plays like it doesn't necessarily know the spatial location of where you're at, and it can't correctly, like, pinpoint it, and it feels, like, very loose. Right. You're obviously upsetting your dog with your yeah. complaints. <laughs> I like, love Shadow <laughs> I think it was very good. I think I complain too much about things and I break them. <laughs> I see I see what you're saying. Um I I think you would still be uh, unhappy with how aggro controls. Um for me, like, it, it feels a little bit like the horse controls in Breath of the Wild, and the horse controls in the Breath of the Wild are maybe my Not least favorite either. thing about it. Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah, it, the way that it moves around is clunky and, I mean, I guess realistic, but I don't necessarily care for realism when it's getting in the way of having fun. Is that in the sense of the horse has like a really wide turning circle? You can't necessarily spin on a dime. There's momentum. Is that yeah? Really, yeah. really wide turning is a problem. Um, From what I remember, if you go forward, you are just going forward now. Yeah, pretty much. Um, the way that the acceleration works is pretty janky. Um, as far as actually like fighting the colossi um i didn't again i've only fought one i didn't really have an issue with it once i kind of got used to the controls again um but i mean have you guys seen that video of like <laughs> the glitch where like the uh the player jumped onto like the colossus's leg and oh, then just yes, got like shot sky high no i haven't but i can picture it they oh, just the physics. <laughs> they just get flipped like a coin. <laughs> like they're just spinning in the air like a hundred feet and then they just flop down. And then obviously they take fall damage and die. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I swear there's only like fifteen characters to modelers. <laughs> what I was really hoping what was gonna happen when I watched that video was that they were gonna send sky be sent sky high like that. And then drop and down then onto the Colossus. Oh. And be able to, like, land on it and kill it from there. Just, like, so, shot it. Yeah, I, I was a, a little upset that didn't happen, but... Oh, like the Breath of the Wild stuff where it, they uh, send the, the thing way up high and then get in conversation with the, uh, the banana lovers. Oh, I've seen that, and then it falls and... down on his head. Yeah. I haven't seen that and one. And then they die. Or Link dies, depending on uh, what, whether they the did game. their physics good. <laughs> it's, everyone seems to be breaking that game, or at least doing a lot of unintended stuff with its physics. So, like, I've seen mm -hmm. so many people using the magnet tool to like swing things at enemies. And... Oh, Breath of the Wild. I thought yeah. you were still talking about Shadow Classes. Oh, um, yeah, no. people have made infinite flying machines. And, oh, uh, I've seen that. It's seriously. Like, it is so awesome. Like, stupid, but awesome. <laughs> I think my favorite is, um, I learned this through watching speedruns, but, like, the people who use the stasis to, like, 
just slam boulders to like launch them halfway across the map and oh, then they'll yeah. they'll like climb onto the boulder and then like drop and then regrab at like a certain time to launch themselves without actually getting killed by the boulder yeah these people are much smarter than i am <laughs> Uh, my favorite thing to do with the magnets, though, is to uh, magnetize one of the, like, really big metal crates, um, and then just drop it on a moblin's head while it's sleeping. And then it explodes and, like, spreads some apples around, and, you know, good time all around. Wow, and you were calling me the monster just before we started recording. They're enemies, okay? <laughs> Innocent sleeping enemies. They're not innocent, but they are not a sleeping. Chivalrous bone on you, not even chivalrous. Person. I don't think that's chivalry. <laughs> I, no, you're right. It's not chivalry to drop a massive heavy object on a sleeping opponent. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's all I really have to say about Shadow of the Colossus. Um, yeah, Dragon Ball, Fire Emblem, Fire Emblem. is like the third one now, isn't it? Of the of the three DS titles. Yeah. So. For Fates, there's Birthright and Conquest, which, like, you take a side, depending on which royal family you go with. Is it a bit like the Pokemon red-blue type split? No, they're actually, yeah. like, totally different games. Oh, shit, okay. Yeah. Mode, uh, Birthright is easy mode, and then Revelations is uh, the uh, medium. Yeah, and Conquest is just balls-hard mode. Yeah, I guess so. No matter what difficulty you're on, basically. <laughs> Conquest was a nightmare, but it's definitely my favorite of the three. Okay. Um, Revelation is kind of just the mode where you can marry everyone. <laughs> and I think that's the only reason it really exists. I mean, the plot has some new revelations. Ha ha ha. But, I mean, I, I think that the real point of it is that you can take all of the waifus and marry them separately. Yeah, and for, for a game that ostensibly is focused on strategical role-playing combat, so many people playing that game seem to like be in it for the waifus. Yeah, that, that's... It really came about with Awakening, um, because, you know, that was... You had sport conversations in the previous ones, but you didn't have them... Uh, like marriage. Marry, yeah. yeah. And then they decided... Because um, at the time, that was the first time that they had gotten that artist to do the art for one of the Fire Emblems, and it went over really well. And so they're mm -hmm. like, well, fucking just do that! <laughs> um, I didn't like Fates. I'm a huge Fire Emblem fan. I, I got the special edition for it, and I was like, this is... this." So I, I'm glad if you like it. You didn't even like Conquest? <sighs> Let me tell you something. <laughs> I played it um, classic, the lunatic mode. Mm -hmm. You don't end up liking the game if you do that. Yeah, well, is like, did you just go straight into lunatic? Well, yeah, I've been playing Fire Emblem like forever, so I was like, I'm not gonna play. You know, I don't like liking myself. Let's just do this instead. <laughs> sack that. I'm not about that. It wasn't yeah. fun, actually. I probably shouldn't shouldn't have. It, it's not fun at all. Yeah, I mean, 
normal mode was like just at the right level for me um and even then it was insanely hard um i would imagine that like hard is doable but i can't even picture lunatic on conquest um lots of resetting because if your character dies they're they're dead yeah lots of resetting i think uh i, I did not fire emblem anyway i thought that wasn't just no a... um with awakening they changed it so that you can bring back your allies if you do uh casual yeah oh right so there's like a, a permadeath setting yeah, yeah. which right. is the classic Sorry. classic fire emblem but then they Sorry. have the casual for kill the casual <laughs> I'm, with you. I'm with you. Right, don't let me keep jumping down your throat. You carry on. I almost had to switch to casual for my conquest playthrough, but I I persevered, and I was able to make sure everybody lived. Casual is actually a really good time. It's the best way to if you just want to get support conversations. Mm-hmm. That's the way to do it. Hmm. Which is what most people play the games for anyway. Yeah. Because the story wasn't yeah. good. <laughs> So that's, uh, in Revelation, because of grinding supports, I am currently at 106 hours, which is ridiculous. Yeah, I'm actually, like, at that point where I'm questioning if I can see it through to the end, but we'll see. Um, Well, I mean, how close are you, do you think? um, I've I've gotten everybody, their, like, heterosexual support conversations done. So all that's left is, like, the friend conversations. Um, oh, um, and I will let you know uh, now. Uh, well, I mean, if you really, really want to, you can, but there are sites so you could read the support conversations. Yeah, I know. I, I just I thought that it would not take as long as it has. <laughs> okay. Well, because the, um, the S conversations with the people of the same gender, they are so disappointing. So, I mean, if you want to, you can go ahead, but I'll just let you know now that... Because it's, it's only um, Niles and Rajat, right, that have the... Yeah, everybody else, if you get to them to S and they are the same gender, they don't have anything. Hmm. Yeah. It's just like a proposal, it's all... And they don't even do that, it's... it's not as good as I mean I'm all for inclusion, but that's not the inclusion I was expecting. Yeah, it's just the the way you phrased it. And I know you didn't mean it. It sounded very very the heteros and they're the friends. Oh oh oops well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um anyway uh so Dragon Ball Fighters um woof woof your dog's excited about it um. I have not gotten to play as much as I would have liked to, but I love the crap out of it. And I think I've explained to both of you that I'm just a trash Dragon Ball fanboy who weeps every night about the fact that Dragon Ball Super is ending in March. But that aside, it is just a re- it's a really slick fighting game. Like most Dragon Ball games, even though they are fighting games, don't feel like fighting games. They just feel like button mashers for the most part. Hmm. But this one, I mean, it's it's Arxis. Um, so it actually has fighting game mechanics. Um, and, like, it, it lays them out for you specifically. It gives you, like, frame data and everything. Um, oh, damn, it goes that deep. Yeah, I mean, I have terrible reaction time, so I will never be at that level of gameplay. 
But I still just I love playing with all of my favorite boys. I love being Gohan. Yeah, I suppose that's the thing. It comes with all of that that uh, that history for you and for the fans. So, what kind of a fighter is it? So, I've played a couple of the Shin Budokai's, and they played a lot like Dissidia in a way where it's sort of it's one on one, but it's more in an arena. This being Arxis, is it a, a more conventional one-on-one fighter? Is it something a little bit different? Um, it's it's a little more like uh, it's more like Marvel versus Capcomy because you get uh, three characters on your team right, and you so can use them as supports and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Oh, like Skullgirls. Yeah, yeah. Um. So again, I I am not at the level where I'd be able to com- compare like specific games um but yeah i don't know it's good that's all i (laughs) that's my deep analysis of it it's good and it scratches that itch i guess it does scratch that itch i just anytime i want dragon ball in my life and i can't watch an episode for whatever reason i can always just turn that on and i guess it does have good replayability oh yeah it also has a pretty robust story mode. Like, I've played it for maybe four hours, and I think I'm 5% done. Ooh. Hmm. So there's there's a lot there. Is it is it like a, a unified story mode, or is it kind of one of those where you play as each character and you get a little bit of text for each? And... No, it's, it's a unified story mode, and I think it has three different, like, sagas that you can play. Uh, that each has kind of like their own self-contained story. Right. I'll tell you what Dragon Ball game I did play. Yes. Do you remember when they did the movie, like in in oh five oh six? And with the movie, they made a Dragon Ball game that had the movie characters in an awful one-on-one fight. I don't remember that. Oh, Was I mean, that the. Movie with like Vic Mignogna. I think that's the one. Yeah, okay, it was like it was a live a... action movie. It was. Oh no, god, no, that, that one. one. Yeah. Yeah, and they they made a, a tie-in game that was. Dragon Ball Evolution. That's the one, and it was utter garbage. Utter utter rubbish. I, if someone told me they paid someone on Craigslist for a week's work to throw something together, I would have believed them. It really just wasn't good. Well, according to the Wikipedia page, it is the first Dragon Ball video game to feature Bulma as a playable character. So, it at least gets one brownie point. <laughs> I mean, but who'd want to play as Bulma? Uh, you can't see me because I don't have my webcam on, but I'm pointing two thumbs right at myself. (laughs) Two questions. One, why don't you have your webcam on? And two, as someone who doesn't and hasn't watched Dragon Ball, who's Bulma and why is he, she, it's important? (laughs) So Uh, first question is that I do not have a webcam on my desktop. Uh, The second question, uh, Bulma is Goku's oldest friend. Uh, she is a genius inventor, and obsessed with beauty too. She's a, she's a little less obsessed with beauty than she used to be. Um, oh, okay, I only read Dragon Ball. Okay, 
Yeah. Oh, so I'm I'm hearing Luca from Chrono Trigger. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, te- definitely. But Luca's better. I like Luca. Man, that bit in Chrono Trigger where, in fact, no, no spoilers. <laughs> Good catch. Sorry? Good catch. Good catch. Yeah, just about. Well, ironically, that was the point I was going specific part of the story, which if you play Chrono Trigger, there's a specific, like, quick time event that you're not really sure is a quick time event until it happens and it relates to her story arc and I don't know if I can say any more with no probably not someone I don't know. will know what I'm talking about and that is what counts there we go I um, would, uh, everybody should play Chronic Trigger though yes I do agree Very with that uh, I think I came to it a little too late to appreciate it as much as everybody else does, mm. um, but I still think it's something that everybody needs to experience for themselves. So do you think that, did you play a game before it that sort of ruined it, or was it just a case of too far gone in terms of where the state of games were at? What do you mean by that? Um, I think what I was expecting from it was... Uh, I don't know. I guess I expected more from the writing in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is because games with their stories nowadays can do so much and they can, uh, I, I've experienced so many stories told in so many different ways. Mm. Uh, playing this, I was just a little bit disappointed that I didn't get to know the characters as well as I wanted to. Um, okay. and I, I think that was just, every character kind of had their own individual arc and it was a little difficult to see them growing as like a team except for maybe a couple of side quests yeah i think some of that also depends on which ending you end up going towards Mm -hmm. not only that but i can see overhyping it being a huge akira toriyama fan so i think (laughs) that might have played a part Yeah, I mean, uh, my experience with the game was super, super positive, but... Yeah, I still loved it. Um, I don't want to give that impression, but I think that I was expecting more uh, from the characters and storytelling. But Mm. anyway, to move on, so my obscure Nintendo DS game of the week uh, is Time Hollow. And I'm really, really curious to hear what you say about this one that I've ummed and armed. Yes, I think you will be disappointed to hear what I have to say. Wow. So, Time Hollow feels like a game that really wants to be Ghost Trick. In a bad way. Um, And I, I think that the fact that it has kind of a similar sort of presentation and has that kind of pedigree to compare it to... I think that made me like it less than I would have otherwise because I was comparing it like the whole time. Yeah. But basically to break it down, the the whole plot without doing any late game spoilers is that you're this kid named Ethan Kairos uh, and on your 17th birthday that you, you get this pen, the hollow pen that allows you to like draw these holes in time and space where you can look into the past and you can like alter things but you can only look at specific flashbacks sort of Ah. 
Okay. Um, which is still fine. That It makes sense as a mechanic. I don't have any issue with that. Um, I think I was just disappointed that the actual mechanic of opening holes and then looking into the past is so bare bones. Uh, most of the time, all you're really doing is opening a hole and then you're either throwing an object through the hole or you're pulling an object through the hole or you're talking to somebody on the other side of the hole, but that that's all you really do. Okay. Um, so is there any... Do you, like, draw the holes yourself? Because I'm picturing full-on, like, drawing little circles with the stylus. I'm guessing that's not what you do there. No, that that is actually what you do. Um, oh, huh. But you can't... You can't just draw a hole wherever you want. Oh. Because, like I said, it's those memories that you actually have flashbacks of. So you can right. only do them in the specific place where you have the flashback from. Oh, I can see how that would be so annoying. Yeah, so the whole game is basically this process of just going around to like every location, talking to everybody, examining everything so that you have enough data to piece the flashback together. Then you go to the location for the flashback, you draw your hole, you do whatever banal puzzle you have to do, and then you move on. And it's just, it's not really challenging intellectually <laughs> or really stimulating in any way. Um, and I, th I think I brought this up when we had been talking about it before, but the writing uh, is just a little juvenile, I think. Mm. Um, the characters kind of... <laughs> I feel like I just have this complaint for so many video games, but the characters don't really have a chance to develop or shine. And uh, most of their dialogue is advancing the plot, and that's really it. Um, so it's a, it's a tell rather than a show thing. Definitely, definitely that. Right. And the actual dialogue that they have just feels like a bad translation because like, the, the logic between sentences just doesn't always carry. Like, somebody will say, um, I, I can't think of a great example off the top of my head, um, but, like, you'll be talking to your uncle who has no clue about all of this time travel stuff. And uh, you'll say something about, like, I just traveled in time. Or something like that. And he won't react to it, like, at all. Um, he'll just say, like, oh, that's interesting. But it won't be, like, oh, that's interesting. Like, he's just passing you off. It's, just like, oh, that's interesting. Like, he actually thinks it's interesting, but he's not going to ask you any questions about it. Right, okay, I'm with you. And it, it, the pieces don't necessarily slot together like you'd want them to. Yeah. So... Right. Uh, a lot of, like, DS, like, visual novel titles like that, they are a little bit infantile because they think that's what the Western uh, audience wants. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of just... They're all very much like that. A lot of them. And it's kind of disappointing. Yeah. I think, I think that... Sorry, go on. Yeah, I was just going to say that, like, again, it's the whole comparison thing, because I compare that to the likes of Ghost Trick and uh, the Zero Escape series, and, like, even Ace Attorney. And the writing is so great in those. 
that I just can't appreciate it here. Ooh, you might have someone who doesn't quite agree with you there. All right, I want to hear it. Yeah. So, uh, for everyone I... who, who's at home, just a, a touch of context. We had a few technical difficulties before uh, we started recording. And in the meantime, me and Toast were talking about how much Toast hates the dialogue and the story in Ace Attorney. How dare you! It's quite um, faithful that now she's got the chance to air her objection in the podcast itself, so go ahead. Oh, thanks. Thanks a whole lot. Um, <laughs> but when I was talking about juvenile, relying on juvenile writing, that was one of the ones that honestly came to mind. I don't think that there's anything particularly bad about it, but I do think it is very juvenile writing. Not so fast! <laughs> so, I mean, if you have objections... That was my objection. So, okay. well, I, I actually think I agree with you in a way, because, um, I mean, Ace Attorney is... I don't know, it's complicated, because, I mean, there are serious moments in it, but overall, I think of it almost as a joke series, because, I mean, all of the names of the characters are just stupid puns. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, there are some there are some games in the series that I think are legitimately well-written. Um, like, um, have you guys, either of you played the translation of Ace Attorney Investigations 2? I haven't played any of the games in the okay. series. It's a, it's a gap in my backlog uh, that I sort of need to get to. Would that be just like the second one, or is that a specific? It's the, uh, it's the Miles Edgeworth spinoff series, oh, and it's the yeah, second one. I liked one. that one better. Um, well, I only played the first one, but okay. I think Miles Ed Edgeworth is a little bit stronger of a character than um, Phoenix Wright is. Oh, definitely, yeah. I tend to, because that was a little bit more serious and a little bit... I don't really do juvenile humor. Mm -hmm. If I wanted that, I'd, I'd turn on some American watch them. I, I, I don't want it in my games. And I understand that there's like that childlike sense of in the games, but I don't want to devote that many hours. So Miles Edgeworth, the, the spinoffs were a lot better. Mm -hmm. All right. In that case, I definitely would recommend that you play the second one, uh, Ace Attorney Investigations 2. It was only released in Japan, but there was a fan translation that was released pretty recently that you can just patch in. Um, and it, it's basically more of what you liked about the first Edgeworth game, but it goes even five steps beyond. Like The cases are actually interconnected this time, whereas they almost never are in Ace Attorney games. Um, yeah, which was another point of contention. Just like, okay, this dude was just murdered. Let's get on with the... That doesn't matter. <laughs> I suppose that's a bit more real to life, though. You know, not everything's going to necessarily fit into a pattern. Well, I'd, without giving away some of the story, there were some very pertinent murders. Um, and it's just like, well, I guess we're going to move on, even though this like important person's dead now. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, no, so are the the Miles Edgeworth games mechanically any different to Phoenix Wright? Because I know not that really. It, well, a little okay, bit. A different character, more or less the same mechanic. Kind of. So I mean, they are very similar. I guess the only real difference I would say is that um, you have a free 
range of movement in the Miles Edgeworth games. Theoretically, like moving from panel to panel. Yeah, yeah. The Ace Attorney games can kind of become like a point and click. You know, you see an item, you press it, it tells you what that item is. Um, Miles Edgeworth is kind of the same way, except you actually walk around the environment to spot those things. I can see that actually annoying me, weirdly enough. Like, yeah, but it works. They make it work, I think. I don't know, I think, I think with the panel thing, it can often be more expedient. And it's a case of, you know, if, if I'm walking around, I'm just wandering. Whereas if you put everything, as a, from a design perspective, if you put everything that I need to see in specific frames, that's just easier for me as a player. And it helps me get to the thing that I'm actually bothered about, which is sort of the story and maybe the, the, the trial mechanics. Mm-hmm. So just a matter of taste, I guess. I don't know. Cool. But, uh, to go back to the, just quickly before we move on, to go back to the whole juvenile angle, it's probably a fair criticism, but I think it's what made 999 stand out, the first of the Zero Estate games, because that really was quite gritty and mature. Mm-hmm. in terms of, and this is minor spoiler for the first hour or so of the game, <laughs> literally inside of an hour you have someone who has exploded and although you don't see it, you get in grisly detail which of their internal organs have ended up on which so I, I think that probably benefited a lot from it yeah Zero Escape was a real treat yeah, the the next two games less so. I think they got better mechanically, but the story just took a bit of a nosedive. Yeah, I don't know. I I have tricky feelings about it because I I like all of the games, but yeah, I'm with you um, I kind of liked each one a little bit less progressively. But then, like looking back on it, if I were to replay one of them right now, it would probably be Virtue's Last Reward. Yeah, yeah, I probably agree with that. I think if it weren't for the fact that 999 doesn't have that convenient way of jumping from kind of puzzle to chapter to chapter to puzzle um, that the the two subsequent games do, I think I would actually prefer that one. Although, that's a thought. Have either of you played, because they've recently ported the first two, haven't they? Um, Steam. To Steam, but also to Vita and PS4, so it's it's called the Nonary Games Collection. Mm. And it's the first two games, so it's, it's Virtue's Last Reward is more or less untouched. On but Steam, they don't run so very... They don't run very well. It's purely the question of whether they've ported that mechanic into 9-9. I know they've more or less rebuilt that. That game mm. as a whole to match the later two, but... I would hope that... Try play it again. Yeah, I hope that in the re-releases, they made it so that you could skip through the earlier parts of the game more easily because yeah, I think that I think that's the reason why I would rather play Virtue's Last Reward over 999. Yeah, that's what I mean. Because I mean, you can just yeah, you can go straight into whatever point in the game you want in VLR. Anyway, yeah. um to move on, I'll just say that Time Hollow for anyone interested only took me about six and a half hours. You could probably do it in less if you uh were if you had the right guess about where to go at which time, um, I had to wander around a little bit aimlessly. 
That's shorter than I expected. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not a very good game. <laughs> I was going to say it's not a very long game, but it's not a good game. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I think we can go right on ahead and talk about the game of the month, which is Odin Sphere. Yeah. So uh, we've all we've all at least briefly touched it, haven't we? Yeah. So let's go around and say how far how experienced we are with it. So for myself, uh, I am about five chapters in on the first campaign. So Gwendolyn, um, mm-hmm. I've seen like videos of it, uh, not spoiler videos. So I don't know like where the story goes necessarily. Uh, so yeah, that, that's about where I am. Well, crap. Um, I haven't set up my PS4 to, uh, like, start it again, but I know that when I was playing it originally, I think it came out at this around the same time that Final Fantasy XIV did, so I played yeah. it very briefly, and then I was just like, ugh, Final Fantasy. <laughs> and so uh, I was past Gwendolyn's campaign. I was on uh, Mr. McSuave, uh <laughs> Oh, Oswald. Yeah, yes. Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. And I have, in fact, um, I've played it before on PS2 when it originally came out, but it's been many years, um, and I know I I have to reset it up and have (laughs) to discuss it, but I uh, haven't really gotten around to it yet. Okay. Rick, what about you? I am literally on Act 1 of Gwendolyn's campaign. I think I finished the tutorial section about 10 minutes before we started recording. Man, you uh, are just uh, balling. I, well, uh, fashionably late is what I'm going to go with. But I'm playing <laughs> on the Vita, so it's a, I mean, it's the same game, it's the same experience, but I do quite like having it kind of in my hand, especially having that artwork so close up it really is a beautiful game oh yeah definitely um but i mean what what's interesting for me and i know you've played more of the vanilla west stuff test i don't know about you Kurf, but jumping into the game immediately the combat is almost identical to dragon's crown and to muramasa in the sense that everything revolves around the square button in terms of attacks and you have the same charge attack, you have the same dash attack. Um, it definitely has a lot more systems than those games. With more and Master, it was literally just a case of collecting all the swords. With Dragon's Crown, and I'm really excited for Pro when that comes just by the by, but with Dragon's Crown, it was all about the loot you were collecting, really. And I guess a little bit the skill trees. With this one, you're planting seeds and you're like, attracting skill collectibles. Points, yeah. Pardon? With your skill points, too. Like, you're uh, getting those up, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I haven't even looked at that yet. <laughs> yes, you have... Um, you, each character has... Uh, it's sort of like a level-up system. It's a lot like Final Fantasies, where it's like a grid. Oh, um, a bit like the one in X. It's like a, a purple-hued one, isn't it? I do know. Yes. It's yeah. a lot like Muramasa's sword chart, mm-hmm. um, 
but it's I think it's one of the first Vanillaware, if I remember correctly. I it's been a really long time since I played Princess Crown and Dragon's Crown, and I believe it was the first one to have a skill board, and I think it did the best with it. Okay, I mean it, that sounds about right because I think it was Princess Crown, then Grim Grimoire, then Odin Sphere. So yes, and I think Princess Crown was like as the most rudimentary. Act. Honestly. Yeah. Which would make I mean, sense. I think they've only improved since then. Yeah, well, Muramasa was phenomenal. I mean, that's top two favorite Wii. games. All <laughs> Not on the Wii. On the Vita. Not on the Wii. Don't play it on Wii. No, I I didn't realize it had motion controls until you mentioned it. It's sickening. Yeah. And it's, it's literally, is it swing up for the up sword, down for the down sword? Um... I can't quite remember because I, I gave it to her because she liked the motion, motion controls. She could go have a field day with it. She could keep that game for all of <laughs> But I um I think it's uh, upwards for, like, you know, changing your sword. There was some kind of motion for changing your... Oh, um, no. No. I, I can't quite remember, so I might be getting it wrong. No, I mean, it's, it's not even a casual game, right? I 100%ed the thing, and there were some parts where I really struggled with the fights. I can't imagine trying to juggle motion movements, trying to get those to read, as well as actually conducting the battles. I'm flashing back to, like, No More Heroes. Did either of you guys play that? No, but I am aware of it. Okay. I, I know of it. Yeah, so... I think the second one got rid of this, but in the first No More Heroes, at least... Um, you had a different stance based on, like, if you were holding the Wii Remote up, down, or, like, in the middle, and it, like, affected how heavy your attacks were, or something like that. So, okay. like, there was a fast stance, a slow stance, and, like, a medium stance, I think. Um, oh, no way, no. No. Yeah. It's a bit like Heavenly Sword. Maybe, I, I haven't played it. Um, Although that did it with the shoulder buttons, which is a little bit more amenable. The recent comparison I guess I could make is Neo had kind of something similar. Um, right. But that, I mean, for that one, you change your stance just by pressing buttons. Yeah. Uh, for the, for No More Heroes, like, actually having to, like, aim it up, down, etc. I mean, it just... It does not make for a comfortable playing experience. No, I'll bet. Um, but yeah, back to, uh, back to Odin Sphere. So... Um, I have to say that I'm not sure if it's for me, necessarily. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean... Oh, man. Yeah, and it's breaking my heart, because the art is gorgeous. Like, there's no doubt about that. And I'm actually... I don't actually, think anyone would say that the art's not good. Yeah, no. they would have to be a fool! But, um, and, like, the story, too. I, I'm really enjoying the story, uh, and just, like, the whole presentation of it. But I, I was looking through the comments in the forums about it, and I have to agree with a lot of people that it's just, it's a little too repetitive, I think. It outstays its welcome. Yeah. And, I mean, mm -hmm. I, I haven't even finished the first campaign, and, like, it's hard for, for me to imagine, uh, well, like, when, when you start with the second character and onward, do you have to, like, buy more bags and all of that all over again? Um... I know that their skill boards are different, and um, 
the, you know, that you meet the same people. It's a lot like Muramasa, where it's like the same story, but not really. It's different their eyes. Yeah, different perspectives. Mm-hmm. And you know what's even worse? What? Gwendolyn was actually the, the best out of the group. Really? So if, you, if Gwendolyn is outstaying her, then the rest are going to not be so. Oh, no. Because I think Gwendolyn was the most balanced and the best story-wise. At least in my opinion, because I really like Gwendolyn. That, that would make a lot of sense. I mean, the, the other characters are all sort of variations on the theme, aren't they? Yeah. So, like, Oswald has that berserk thing. Mercedes is a little bit like the elf in Dragon's Crown, where you you have to sort of manage your power and your inventory. Velvet. She's just token hot. Chain, or (laughs) yeah. She's just there to look at. Well, all of the like all of the characters are there to look at. Basically, yeah. You saying that is really just making me feel even more despair. Because, like, yeah, I just, I've been spending so much time, like, gathering all of my materials, all of my seeds and, like, components so I can do all of the alchemy. I've been buying all the bags, all of that. And I just, I can't imagine having to do that five times. I, I, I can't remember. It's been a very long time, but I, I thought the inventory carried over. That I would be remember. nice. <laughs> I don't remember. I do know that their, their grids don't. And I do, yeah. I, I don't know. It depends. I mean, they made a lot of changes for the remaster, didn't they? So it may well be that... Not really, do, honestly. I, they all seem to be quality of life changes. Though. Yeah. That, um, there are certain things where the controls are a touch easier. So I know uh, one that my friend mentioned is in the PS2 original. Not all of the characters could guard. Only two of them could, and they their movesets were more diverse, but also individually a lot more limited. Whereas now they've sort of leveled that off a little. In the refined mode, anyway. I am playing the PS2 version, so... Oh, you are? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Um, (laughs) jeez. Is that on an emulator, or did you just... No, I I have it. I have a disc. Nice. Yeah. So we're all going to be playing a different version then. Yeah. Uh, oh, we've uh, we've worked it out. We're going to get a, a comprehensive view of the game. Yeah. If if I, I finish I would, it, <laughs> if I would say I would think it would be best on PS4 because I've I've I got the special edition, so I have my beautiful like it's got the metal case mm-hmm. and like Ooh. with oh it's so pretty. It was so Ooh. worth it, even if you don't end up liking this. It's a good game and it's pretty. So I don't care. I don't care. What you yeah, do. even if even if I don't finish it, I'm definitely gonna watch like a playthrough of it on youtube or something because i, I want to yeah. experience all it has to offer mm. um but i, I stick sorry go on. no i was just gonna say i also i'm not huge on the combat um don't say that well i think i think that part of it for me is just like I don't like that there's not really any way to cancel out at least with gwendolyn there's not really any way to cancel out of your moves so, I mean... Sometimes you look like an idiot if you're up in the air, like, going from one end of the screen to the other, and there's nobody there. <laughs> that, so I yeah. guess I do understand down, that. You? you can square down and do, like, a diagonal... Yes, you can. You can dive. 
Yeah, in midair. But like when yes. you're when you're in the middle of like a four hit combo, then you can't like press a button to, or like press a direction to like break out of that. Can you um, not cancel out with your evade? There's an evade button. <laughs> yes, yeah. there is. But how, you, how have you been evading then? That, have you just not? That wasn't in the tutorial. <laughs> on on V2, it's right bumper. I I don't know, on on PS2, it might be R1, but there, there definitely yeah. is a dodge button. Okay, I will have that was not in the tutorial, so I. <laughs> then it might not exist. It might be something new they added. That may well be a quality of life thing in the the update. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sucks to to not have that. Then. I'm actually gonna <laughs> grab my manual <laughs> and check this real quick. <laughs> it breaks my heart that you don't like the combat. I mean. I... It's beautiful to look at. If there is an evade button, I will like the combat so much more. But it's, it's just such a, a beautiful system to play. I mean, even having spent, God, upwards of 30... In fact, including all the DLC, probably upwards of 50 hours on Muramasa, two playthroughs of Dragon's Crown, and this, I'm still not bored of the combat. It's just so satisfying. And although the, the set is quite limited in terms of your guard and your attack are all on the same button and then you have your specials button. But all of the different combinations and things you can do with that bounce around, it's just such a satisfying system. Um, I keep buying Vanillaware, so obviously I, I like them. I would <laughs> really, really love if they would like... Because they, they seem to think of a theme before they really dive into the story. I would love it if they did like a steampunk. That would be so good. They are. They're doing... Have you not seen the trailers for the 13 Sentinels game? Well, that's not quite steampunk, I suppose. It's not. It's not steampunk, though. No, but it's. I mean, it's more towards that. It's, or if they did not... like a a bloodborne type dealio. Ooh, now I that would I love could that. do. That I could do. To be fair, Grim Grimoire is not a million in terms of. Grimoire was kind of a bit. I'm not looking forward. I mean, it's on my list of games to get to soon, but. But yeah, I mean, I don't like RTS games at the best of times, so I'm expecting not to massively enjoy Grim Grimoire. But at the same time, it looks amazing. And I feel like I, especially, like, it's on an emulator, it's not costing me any money. It's worth at least giving a go. Sorry, That's so... how I felt about uh, Princess Crown, because there's no way for me to actually get a version, because um, it's, it's all in Japanese. It's just yeah. like... To play it, you have to read alongside it on a website. Is there an, is, is there an emulator for the sun? Um, it would be... Um, they did a port of it to the PSP, I believe. And um, so, I mean, I got myself the Japanese copy of the, the PSP version, so I'd be, like, at least throwing some money at them. But right, I'm... It... it um, yeah... It's all in Japanese. Oh, there's that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just asking, I'm consulting my friend G. Looking at the. Um. Well, I have consulted the manual for Odin Sphere, and I do not see any reference to an evade button. Huh. Oh, man. Sucks to be you. <laughs> yeah. It might just be one of those sucks to suck moments. <laughs> I might just yeah. have to. I might have to uh, cut my losses uh, 
give up on it and then wait for like a sale on the remake or something. Yeah, bite the bullet and jump in on that. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Actually, uh, uh, if you got if you buy used games, uh, I know lots of people swear by buying used games off of GameFly, like not getting a subscription, but buying used games from them. Well, I do actually have a GameFly subscription, oh. so maybe I could even just rent it. Man, you're the first one I know to actually have that. Really? Yeah, I I heard it's not worth it. Really? Yeah. I get a crap ton of use out of it. I absolutely so. What uh, Gamefly? Gamefly, um, oh yeah, I guess they don't have it over it's in the UK. It's an American company. Yeah, it's... Can, it's like family not video for a game. the other side of the pond. Yeah, so it's, um, it's a rental service for video games. Um, oh shit, so like, love film type thing. I don't know what That's the not something we crap have. that is, but... <laughs> that, was, uh, that was pre-Netflix Netflix, so it was like, they... They mail you a couple of DVDs. Finish. You mail them the DVDs back, and they'd send you the next one. Yeah, yes, and that's like that's yet. that's how Netflix was like before they started their streaming service. So it's right. si- it's similar. Um, so it's just that for games. Yeah, but huh. I mean, I know a lot of people have problems with it because they live in an area where it takes like weeks to deliver their games to them. I guess I'm just lucky because they always get to me within like three days of shipping. Um, and I'm pretty quick at playing games anyways. So, I mean, if I can rent one new release a month, it pays for itself. I mean, let me do the math in my head. What kind of a subscription cost are you looking at? How much is it? It's like a uh, 20-something... Maybe, maybe it's less. Let me what check. Just open my account page right up. Here we go. Uh, bu- bu- bu. Yeah. Oh god, <laughs> are you dying? <laughs> no, I'm good. Twenty two ninety five per month. Twenty two ninety five. Um, right, now, what's that in post Brexit pounds? <laughs> I I couldn't answer that. No, Do you want us Pete to has, answer that? Because I don't think My friend Pete telling me that is £17 a month. The thing is, like, you could get one brand new AAA release every three months and you'd be, it would be worth it. Yeah. But then, I mean, do they have the newest releases when they're out? Yeah, so if, if you... Um, the way that I've discovered wor- generally works is if you put a new release into your, like, queue... Um, mm-hmm before it comes out, then typically it will get sent to me on the release day. Okay. Now, if you wait if you wait a couple of days after the, it comes out to put it into your queue, then they're usually out of stock because they send out their first wave on the day it comes out. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, even then, if you wait a month or two, usually they have them restocked enough that you can rent it at that point. And they even have a pretty good backlog. They go back as far as, like, GameCube, PlayStation 2. Oh, damn. Yeah, so I get a lot of use out of it. Hmm. So that's my, uh, that... <laughs> that's my advertisement for Gamefly. Uh, I swear that I am not... I swear that I am not a Gamefly employee. <laughs> hey, I mean, if they want to sponsor us, maybe. Hey, yeah. <laughs> Get us up. 
All right. Uh, anything else anybody wants to add about Odin Sphere? I mean, I'm I'm enjoying what little I've played of it. The first twelve minutes were great. I'm, I think <laughs> it will continue to be. We'll see. I mean, I'm sure we can check back into it next time. But I, like I said, I like the combat. I like the visuals. I I can't see how I would not enjoy it going forward. But that's just me. Zombie toast. Anything to add? Uh, I think it will probably take me a little bit longer to set up my PlayStation, uh, especially since it's currently not I am now, right now. And also Monster Hunter World. So. Oh, but yeah. I'll, I'll try. I think uh, by, I think, eight days, and then I'll, I'll, I'll play it, and I'll rush through it and not finish it. <laughs> so, we will jump right into the questions that we got from the forums. Uh, so let's start with a little bit of a look back. This question is, what were our favorite games from 2017? And this is a two-part question. Uh, it breaks down into two categories. What were the favorite games that you played that came out in 2017? And what was the favorite game that you played in 2017, regardless of whether or not it came out in that year? Whose question was that? Do we want to throw just a little bit of karma out to the HLTV community? I can take a look as I slowly oh, talk to worry. stall. Pokepaw? That's the one. Okay. Thanks for the question, Pokepaw. Um, I don't know if you guys have already looked at your completions. Uh, I looked at mine before we started, so I guess I can go first. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, my favorite game that came out in 2017, I'll start with that, is Near Automata, bar none. Uh, that's how I said it was going to come back later. I wasn't you lying did. to you. Um, Near, just as a series, going back even to Drakengard as like a prequel series, um, I have a really close relationship with it. Um, I love the Guard games playing... Oh, God, I can't even speak anymore. How late is it? I love the Guard games growing up. Because, um, again, th those were my middle school years, so I was a little edgelord. And just bathing those fields with the blood of 1,000 enemies at a time was, you know, really cool at that time. Still cool today, but for different reasons. Please um, don't put me on a watch list. <laughs> <laughs> um, Nier was like a totally different experience when I played it. I also played it this past year for the first time. Um, Gameplay-wise, not anything exceptional, but the story just took me to some really wild places uh, with the different endings and everything. Um, I, I also loved just the ways that it played with the different mechanics, how there were like the dungeon crawler uh, places, there were the top-down shooter areas, and then there were like there was even a visual novel section in the first near game. Um, yeah, it was it played around a lot, and I really appreciated that. So near automata, fast forwarding, uh, is you know, just naturally 
it's it's the natural progression of where it could go. It takes you know the gameplay from Drakengard that I really loved growing up, the hack and slash, um, frenetic uh, action of it, and then <clears throat> excuse me, the story of Nier and the way that it messes around with the story in different ways, and. You know, I've been talking the whole podcast about games that let me down in my expectations of what the characters were going to be, but this is just the polar opposite of that. Uh, 2B and 9S just develop so greatly through their conversations with one another and through uh, each of their individual campaigns that you play with them. Um, and it's not just... It's not just what they say and what they do, but the way that they think. And you can actually see the way that they think within the very menus of the game. Like, the menus aren't just press-pause and it's something outside of the game. It's actually integrated. Uh, the menus of the game are their internal software, basically. Oh, that's so hmm. cool. Yeah, yeah. So you can actually see the way that they think and develop through the menus, which is something I've never seen in a game ever. Um, You're making me want to play it. Right? I'm doing my best here. <laughs> I think everybody needs to play it. Um, it is Platinum who developed it, so you know that the combat mechanics are solid, if nothing else, and everything else is solid. Um, the they only thing... Zero speaks for itself. <laughs> hey, look, man. I am, I am the sole defender of Star Fox Zero. <laughs> I will die on that hill. Maybe maybe die on that hill after I've finished derailing and telling us about how great... Neo Indeed. Is. So, uh, Automata doesn't mess with, like, the gameplay in the ways that Nier does as much. Uh, there's still some kind of top-down shooty sections, and there are still some sections that veer a little bit into visual novel territory, uh, but not as, like... There's not, like, a whole chapter devoted to it like there was. Or there might be, but anyway, I, I won't get into that. Um... The only thing I might say that might be kind of a drawback from Automata is that, uh... Um, the world is a little bit small, and you have to navigate it multiple times with multiple different characters. I think that they do a good job of including, like, side quests and stuff that let it grow on its own. Um... But there are some times when you have to think, like, am I really replaying this section for the third time sort of thing? I think I did hear people mention that. Yeah. But it's, it's sort of to serve a story purpose, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Like, even though you're replaying the same sections, there will be different dialogue, and you'll go off to, like, a slightly different place. So at least they do a little bit to help out. Anyway, that's my favorite game of 2017. So, how about you guys? Fair enough. So, is that are we talking now in terms of games that out in 2017? Came out in 2017. We'll get to the others right. in a sec. Okay. So, in terms of the games that I played that were actually released that year, there were two that I gave um, identical scores, and I can't pick between them. So, I'm going to go quickly onto them both. So, the first one is Velocity 2X which is, um, if you've seen it, it's sort of a hybrid between a top-down um, shooter, like a shoot-em-up type thing, and a 2D side-scrolling platformer. 
and hmm. it is unlike anything else I've ever played. It's it messes with um, teleporting and structure. It's just a really great game, and it's on PC, PS4. I played it on Vita. I think everyone should play it. I think it really. I'm not someone who normally likes shoot 'em ups, and it really turned me round in terms of it and probably the genre more generally. So that was phenomenal. And the other game is Heat Signature, which is from the guy who made Gunpoint, if either of you played that. No. No. Okay, so Heat Signature, the concept is you are a space mercenary. So the the moment-to-moment gameplay is you boarding a ship, killing all the people on the ship, and either taking that ship over, killing a target, stealing an object, and then exiting. And the fun's not so much in any kind of story. There isn't really one to speak of. It's more in how you deal with things mechanically. So you have all kind of contraptions. There's one called the visitor that teleports you into an area and then pulls you out three or four seconds later. So um, all these gadgets bring in emergent moments in play. For example, there's an achievement for having a guard shoot at you then using an item called the Swapper to switch places with them so that their own bullet kills them. <laughs> um, you can throw pilots out of airlocks. You can turn people's shields against them so that their bullet will bounce off the inside of their own shield. Um, it It's at its best when you are stuck with a few items and a target on the other side of the ship and you're forced to improvise and make your way through. And it, in that sense, I'm trying to think of the best game to draw an analogy to. I guess the best analogy to draw is to um, the kind of thing you do in a GTA game where you're trying to get the cops to chase you mm-hmm. and you're trying to keep them at bay for as long as possible. And you just find yourself in this situation where it's like, shit, what do I do now to keep this thing moving forward? And there's just something so gleeful about that that the heat signature sort of picks up on. And it's another one where I think everyone should at least give it a go. So those are my two. Okay. Correct me if I'm wrong, because, I mean, I obviously haven't played the game. It sounds a little bit like sci-fi hotline Miami. Is that anywhere near accurate? That's actually probably really fair. And it's played from the same perspective as hotline Miami is. Okay. Down twin stick type thing although obviously you play with um, keyboard and mouse um, that probably is actually a much better comparison than so <laughs> <laughs> yeah hotline army in space with silly gadgets cool alright zombie toast how about you okay uh, my favorite game 2016 I I feel like I should say Breath of the Wild, but, I mean, being a Zelda fan, but I was actually just that. Um, controversial. Well, controversial, <laughs> but I mean, I loved it, and at the time, I was just like, where are the dungeons? I want my dungeon. <laughs> but, um, this is going to seem kind of weird, but it was Night in the Woods. Okay. Um, and I know that, objectively, it's not as strong a contender as some things, but, um... You know, like emotionally, it really like spoke to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the the main character May, 
was at, at that point in my life when I played it, because I, I was 20 and she was 20 and I, it was this um, like role reversal where we, it was essentially where we're going through the same thing. And it was like, I, it was the game I needed in 2017. So I know that there are games that were better, but my God, I'm, I'm going to love that game till it yeah. was such a good game, and it—I it, really—it was impactful. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, that's as valid a reason as you need to put it as your game of the year. Yeah. I think. Um, yeah, that was also one of my favorite games from last year. Um, I unfortunately didn't get to play it until this year, but uh, yeah, I—I I, I also related to it in many ways, even though my situation and May's situation are very different. Um, I think there's just some very, <laughs> some very true truth <laughs> underlying there. <laughs> the best kind of truth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just, um, I think even if you don't necessarily relate to May directly, I think that between her and the other characters, there's, Anybody can see at least a little bit of themselves in any one of those people. Um, I definitely saw a lot of myself in Greg. <laughs> Greg rules. It was actually Angus that was like the most the um. Oh, I love Angus. Oh, <laughs> he's my favorite, definitely. Angus I is such him. a sweetheart. Yeah, and um, there, there's this. I don't want to give anything away, but in where, if you can choose to hang out with them, oh, oh, choose to hang out with. Them. <laughs> You're cutting out a little bit, but I think I got the gist of what you were saying, which is Sorry. hang out with yeah, Angus. Yeah, hang out with yeah. Angus because somebody needs to. Hangus with Angus. <laughs> Rick, for reference, Angus is literally a big gay teddy bear. <laughs> He's the uh, best character. I was about to say, I think myself and probably a, a good chunk of the listeners are, are listening to this story about Angus and Greg, and as lovely as it sounds, not understanding a single thing about it. <laughs> so, uh, so the takeaway message for everyone at home is hang out with them. Hang out with them. Angus with Angus. With okay. Well, and play the game, first of all. Cause... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unless you can find a way to hang out with Angus outside of the game, in which case, do that. <laughs> like, find a random stranger named Angus, and uh -huh. you know, he's your new best friend. Just take him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good choices. Rick just gave a thumbs up to the webcam for those who cannot As see. As I did it, it occurred to me that that doesn't translate. But there you go. <laughs> All right. Games, boys and girls. So now that we've discussed our favorite games released in 2017, how about the games that uh, we played in 2017 that were our favorites, regardless of whether or not they came out that year? Um, I think I can also head this one up. Ooh, doggy's got an opinion. Yeah, I'm really sorry. About that. It's okay. I really like Twilight Um, let's see. Yeah, um, I think, I guess technically this one did come out in 2017, but originally did not come out in 2017. I'm going to give it to uh, Danganronpa, um, 
Ooh. Technically, the 1.2 reload. I played both of them on there. Um, yeah, it, it was my first exposure to the series, like, entirely. Like, I did not know anything about it before I started playing it in July, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. But, I mean, the first two games, and, I mean, V3, but that came out this year, uh, they are just phenomenal. Um yeah, I, I don't know what to say about them. They're just so stylish, I guess. Yeah, um, they're definitely unique. Yeah, I mean... And I, the the premise seems pretty obvious. I mean, you get a bunch of kids together, you lock them into a school, and then you tell them to kill each other and investigate until there's only, like, theoretically one remaining. There's never one remaining. No. Um... <laughs> But, I don't know, just the the way that it plays out and the way that it unfolds its story, like, they could have very easily just gone in the direction of literally just they're killing each other and that's it, whoever wins, wins. But I love that there's always something more going on beneath the surface. Hmm. And I also think that there's something to be said about literal teen angst as a plot device. I mean, the, the games themselves are, are very much proof that, uh, or proof positive that the the important thing is not necessarily where you're going, but it's the journey to get there. And I think I think that's probably what you're alluding to in the sense that the plot isn't necessarily uh, a sea change, but the way in which it's done, like that, in no other game could you possibly have. Um, the the fact that someone is phenomenal at throwing baseballs <laughs> form an integral part of a murder mystery, <laughs> it, or in fact have a a girl who sneezes and then changes personality. <laughs> um, I hope that everybody's played Dong and Pardon? I hope that everybody's played Dong and Well, if they haven't, they won't have a clue what I'm talking. <laughs> I well is no. To be fair, it's if you're really, really perceptive, I may have helped you through the first case and given you a hint as to something later on. But I think, I think by and large, that one we don't need to fix in post. I think that'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> case one in the first game is pretty it's obvious. A throwaway case. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. It sort of needs to be, though, because that really is that easy. Yeah, I mean, it's the same way to go back. It's the same way with Ace Attorney games, where the first case is always just a tutorial. Very throwaway, yeah. very easy to solve. Um, but your uh, your comment about it being about the journey made me realize that uh, the the real Danganronpa was the friends we made along the way. Aww. Hang on, what do you mean the real Danganronpa? I'm making a terrible joke, is what I'm doing, Rick. Ah, right. <laughs> <I'm s> <laughs> <laughs> well, as cheesy as it is, I really do think that does um, do a very good job at representing in despair like they wanted. It's a series that knows what it is and does a very good job of, you know, sticking to that, and then um, 
it's not one of those games that gets like there's games that are like, well, we're gonna be like this and we're gonna do this and it'll be awesome. Danganronpa is one of those games where it really does deliver on what it says it's going to deliver. Ah, okay. There you go. It doesn't promise whole... anything that it's not going to give. Mm-hmm. That's fair. I thought the hope despair thing was a bit on the nose throughout the series, though. Ah, uh, yes, yes, it was, but that's <laughs> done around. And it's if... like I, I understood that this was a desperate situation without someone talking about ultimate despair for while cackling. Yeah, but the thing is, the difference between that and I would say, you know, like Ace Attorney is Dungeonpa is so like absurd and like way out there that it's not like uh it's not juvenile whereas ace attorney it is because it doesn't quite it's not as out there yeah i I take the point in the in a mystery murder school a biracial bear whether or not they're talking (laughs) about hoping despair isn't the the main problem which is which is why i think it was fine yeah, yeah I'd say that point. I also, I also support it because, uh, I mean, in the first one, I agree that like it's a little over the top, and the the second one just kind of like ramps it up to eleven. But I I think that the second one is so good because it is riffing so hard on the first one. Yes. Um, yeah. Because I mean, like the first one. You know, putting aside the fact that it's 16 high school students who are murdering each other uh, and betraying each other and losing their trust and their hope and filling with themselves with despair, just despite that, uh, it is an idealistic story and it does, you know, bring about some hopeful messages. And I really like that the second one perverts that message so much. Um with yeah. one specific character that I hope you both know who I'm referring to. How could we not? How could we possibly not? <laughs> I love that character's voice. Yeah. My sister loves it, but I think that I could fall asleep to his to that character's voice. <laughs> I just I love everything about that character. Um from the, the design laugh. Yeah. Oh, the, laugh, the laugh. The way the character is designed just visually um, the way that they just toy with that character in so many different ways and play with your expectations. Um, mm. I mean, that that's the entire game's MO. And I think the second one really did benefit <coughs> from having that platform to build on in the sense that you're already expecting mad stuff, but you're expecting mad stuff within an albeit widened Overton window. And the game just kicks a football through that window so many times, and just... Not only that, but when I first started playing the second one, um, a long time ago, but, uh, you know, I was expecting, you know, it was really jarring, because at first I was like, this game is terrible, when I hadn't made it through all of it. I'm just like, this game is ridiculous, and then, like, (laughs) all of a sudden at the end, it, it, like, kicks you in the face, and it's it's just like this game is not bad. You are an idiot, and because um, I think that anyone starting Dongaranpa two might be like, "What is everybody talking about? This game is not better than the first. You really have to stick with it." Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Because when I when I first started playing Dr two, um, 
I mean, I had a lot of like first impressions that obviously turned out to be wrong, but like yeah. so many of the characters' designs looked similar in ways to character designs from the first game that I literally just thought they were copy pasting. And like the fact that um Byakuya appears again, that's not I wouldn't consider that a spoiler because I mean he's no. like right there in the beginning. Uh the fact that he appears again uh, I thought that these were literally like brainwashed versions of the first game's characters. Did you think they were pulling a Metal Gear Solid Two? I honestly did, and to be fair, they did kind of do that as the game progressed. I, um, but as spoilers may or may not permit. Yeah, depending on how you interpret it. Yeah, um, I love Byakuya in the second game. Though. I think. <laughs> The way they played with him and what he represented, I think that's emblematic of the whole thing. When they sort of, they took what they knew you thought was going to happen, and just pulled it apart. Right. Yeah. And I think. Sorry, go on. Yeah, the fact that they did that with his character specifically, um, kind of set it up in a really smart way that every character grows in ways beyond what they originally look like literally um and i think another strength of the second one that i think makes it the best of the series is that every death really stands for something which i didn't feel was the case necessarily in the first one there were a stand there were standout deaths definitely but not every death meant in the first one Yes. Okay, yeah. I, I would say two in particular for me meant a, sh- a crap ton. Yeah. And then more so in the second one. Yeah. Whereas I think, I can't remember how many died, but uh, not all of them were noteworthy. Yeah. Uh, and I think if you can't remember whether or not somebody's, who's died, I think <laughs> that that is a little bit of a concerning. Yeah. But uh, can we all de- agree that old Ultra- Rash. Uh, you cut out there a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I said, can we all agree that Ultra Despair Girls... Never played it, actually. So. We oh, can man. agree that Ultra Despair Girls was... Trash. But oh, I, trash. I don't know. Uh, my sister, who has played it, said it was not what she was expecting, but she still liked it. Which... It was what? Could, that can mean anything, honestly. That's really, really vague. It, so... For context, Ultra Despair Girls is what would happen if you got a second-rate company to throw together <laughs> a Resident Evil concept, and then you slapped the Danganronpa aesthetics on top of it. So it it retains the tank controls, but makes them a million times worse. Like it really just is awful to move it's around. It's a shooter. In that yeah, Everything third person. Yes. Poorly optimized is the wrong word, but everything feels a little bit janky. And barely lets you walk five steps without stopping you for a cutscene. Also, it has like the worst character in the world in it. You cut way, way out there. Oh, it also has like the worst character in the world in it. Oh, who is nope. it? Oh, wait, is it Hygiene? Jumping in and out. No. Or it uh, might be me. It, I think it might be just you. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't really want to... I think that... She, well, she's on the cover, so it's uh, Fukawa. Toko. Oh, you you didn't like her? Um, That's the thing, is a lot of people 
Nomi uh, used to use, they used to call me her, like, <laughs> so as like a jab. So it's like, I, I hate her, resent her a lot. Okay, that's interesting, because I mean, you're right that Ultra Despair Girls does have the worst character ever, but I was going to say, that's Haiji. Oh, so you've actually played it. Yeah. Okay, I have not. Oh, okay. Well, you can watch the cliff notes on YouTube. It's not really worth the play. Yeah. Um, I watched the um, summary anime, like of the the future and fair, and that I think summarized it. But those were also pretty garbage. So. Yeah. Yeah. I I can never watch DR three again. <laughs> not. I mean, not because it's bad, because I think there are redeemable things in it, but it's literally only because of what happens with uh, one of the characters from DR2. See, now I haven't watched any of the the anime versions, but I know... Do not. But aren't they supposed to round out the end of the story? DR3 is supposed to. It's right. supposed to... Um take place before two um or like during two um and then before two so it has the mm-hmm. cast of two um in one of them and then it has the future foundation in the other one <laughs> yeah it's, so it's messy technically it is important for story however in explaining the story, it actually creates more loopholes and, like, or plot, you know, bunnies that got off the track. (laughs) And this is my core problem with Danganronpa in general. I think it's summed into this thing that even the creators don't actually understand anymore. You just have (laughs) It's like a Jackson Park franchise. Things are just being thrown at walls and hoping that someone will pay the price of entry. Yeah, Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts <laughs> that's a that's a funny analogy. Like one, because I mean, the obvious thing is the story's getting way out of hand. But like, also, I'm just thinking about how like each of them has their like catchphrases. It's like Danganronpa, you have hope, hope, and despair, despair. And then Kingdom Hearts, you have like light, darkness, doors. <laughs> cool. All right, so that's enough about Danganronpa. What were oh, you yeah, guys? <laughs> you could do a whole episode on those on their own. Uh, what were you guys' favorite games that you played in 2017, regardless of release date? Oh crap! Don't make me do this. Uh, do you want to have a think? So I've already. Kind of I don't it. have my thing ready. No, I don't. That's poor form. <laughs> that's. Oh, shove it! I didn't know what the question. Oh, Mr. I fell asleep in uh <laughs> Oh, we bringing this in. I Roast him. Right, present okay. and accounted so, for every single time. For the listeners who don't know what this beef is all about, we were supposed to be recording this on Wednesday. As we speak, in England it is Monday morning, but it technically it's Sunday. When we were supposed to record on Wednesday, <laughs> I hadn't slept the night before and as a result fell asleep about an hour before we were supposed to podcast and then so, continued to sleep <laughs> through till about five o'clock the next morning my time and then it was midnight and he's just like oh hey everybody here i am <laughs> <laughs> it 
and we're like, yeah, here you are. Thanks yeah. a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. Wow. We're all here now, aren't we? Let's let bygone be bygone. So next time you can be better prepared. <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of what I played in 2017, 2017 was a good year for me. Like I played a lot of classics. Portal, I played for the first time. Wow. Um, that was pretty dope. Um, I had like four DLC packs from Mirror Master. They were incredible. Uh, Hotline Mammy 2 was good. The Swapper, I really, really enjoyed. I don't know if that got enough love as it deserved, but that's a phenomenal little game. But the one I'm going to have to go with is The Last The Last of Us? Yeah, because that's just something else. It, I think it really encapsulates but also transcends what games can do and what games can be mm-hmm. in in the way that it, it tells this story but also it gives you a little bit of flexibility and freedom to inhabit that story in terms of, of the way you move around with Ellie and the um the story that it tells. I mean, it's it's a competent game in and of its own. Mechanically bare bones, I can see that argument, but it all just fits together so nicely. And I, I'm not sure I want the sequel though. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like I liked where it ended. I understand why they. It's going to make money, regardless. <laughs> so I I 100% get it but I don't think I like it. Okay. Yeah. Um, I I like The Last of Us. I don't have, you know, an undying love for it. Um, I'm interested to see where they go with the sequel, though, because it could be, you know, marvelous, or it could just be an unnecessary tag on the end. That's what I'm worried it will be. And I'm... <laughs> I don't see how else it can finish, really. Mm-hmm. Because it, unless they go completely out of the way, and obviously this is spoiler-free, but all of the, the threads that are thrown out in the original, it more or less pulls back together at the end. There isn't really anything major left to be addressed, or at least not enough that I can see to make a sequel out of. Mm-hmm. But hey, maybe that's just me. All right. Have you? Pre- think, yeah. Have you prepared yourself? Uh, okay. I was thinking about some of the the classics that I played. Um, and I think my first system that I ever got was the Super Nintendo. So I like brought it out of hiding, and I started to play some of the games that I hadn't gotten around to. Um, so. I have a deep and profound love, and will proclaim it greatly to anyone who listen that I love Donkey Kong Country 2 because it was the first oh. one I played. However, I had not played to completion Donkey Kong 1. So really? I okay. Played, well, yeah, I had the second and uh, didn't have money to, to buy the other one. So Fair. I mean, if you have the second one, it improves on everything. Yeah. But um, I played that one, and it was great. And then there, I played Super Mario RPG The Legend of Seven Stars for the first time. Nice. Um, it was not bad. It was not 
<laughs> well, it wasn't like it was pretty good as far as like other things I've played this year. Because I didn't play that much. That was that amazing. Um, it was it was good. And then I play Persona Four Golden. This Persona really good. I, I can't say more than what other people have already said because it's it really is the ultimate game. It do, it does everything, a little bit of everything. But I don't think that one quality suffers because of something that they added in. I think it's one of those rare games where it literally can do whatever the crap it wants and get away with it because it's Persona. So have you have you played Persona 5? <coughs> think? I, again, I, I bought the special edition and then I left it on a shelf. I tend to just buy special editions and then leave them out. <laughs> it happens so to I the best of us. It. Yeah, I have been using the gym bag religiously though that came with it. Um, <laughs> But I haven't come around to, to playing it. I'm really excited, though. Yeah, that that package did look really nice. Uh, yeah, the um, the Danganronpa one did, too. And then uh, I got it. They took my money. And then shipped the package to someone else. No! <laughs> yeah, they, they, yeah it, it's it's an issue. Because they uh-huh. had, like, headphones that came with it. And I'm like, yeah. oh, I gotta, I gotta get new headphones. That... Is horrible. <laughs> yeah, not only that, but I got the uh, the Breath of the Wild special edition. They um, and it came with my my Switch too, so uh-huh. I was shipping them together. Um, the game came, and then I realized they had sent my Switch to like Nevada. Oh my god! And uh, I am just like sitting up here in Michigan, like where, where where's my package? And they <laughs> shipped it to a, a different person entirely. How so, does yeah, that keep happening? GameStop, yeah. Shout out to to GameStop, y'all. Yeah, so uh, basically the message we're trying to say is don't shop at GameStop, shop at Gamefly. Hooray. <laughs> well, um, and the Danganronpa one was through NIS America, and I think what it was was I, uh, I had been, <laughs> like, my bank was switching to a different bank, and so um, my card was switching to they, they took my information, it went through, and then my card switched, so they, uh, it was through a different folder or whatever, so they charged me, it went through, then suddenly I had a different card, and they're like, well, whatever. Well, to, to be fair, Problems. I can imagine it's a bit more difficult chipping things. Yeah, I, I lost a monitor once. Um, I've had, like, food lost. I don't, I don't know, it's weird. Like, you put an address, things just turn up. I just... <laughs> <laughs> I've never had to give it any more thought than <coughs> I can't speak too bad, because I know most of the, the postal workers in uh, Jordan, so I can't be like, oh, I hate them, they're the worst. I don't think it's <laughs> maybe, their fault. Maybe that's why the packages aren't getting to you. The rewrap yeah. thing. <laughs> Some no, I don't think co- so. Some awkward conversations to be had once we finish. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, we are already past the two-hour mark. Uh, so, for this for this next question, um, what 2018 games are we most looking forward to? I think instead of having like a full speech about them, we'll kind of just go around and answer it. Uh, so, Rick... What are you looking uh, forward sweet. to most? 
just before I do, just credit that to Sadekaz. I'm sure I've slaughtered that name, but thank you to him or her or yeah. Zia for that question. There we go. Proper um, attribution. Damn straight. So there's two. I'm going to be cheeky. The first one is Deadbolt, which is getting a Vita port. So that comes out on the 20th in America and Europe. Great game. Can't wait to play it again. Really happy with that. The other one is, and I think it's scheduled for this year, is The Last Night. Now, you guys might not remember the name, but you've seen that trailer in and around E3. So it is... um, It was the trailer where it was this phenomenal 2D pixel art, but in a 3D space. And it was this neon sign, and it's billed as a post-cyberpunk thing. I will put a link into our little Discord chat. So I remember what you're talking about. Pardon? I remember what you're talking about. So it looks phenomenal. The game itself actually sounds pretty good as well. And uh, that <laughs> is when it comes out, I'm buying it and I'm taking a day off work making I I just can't picture myself waiting for that. Um, is there a shareable link in- <laughs> Ah, visit the website, that would be... Alright, um, Zombie Toast. There is no game I am looking forward to most, uh, or more than, uh, well, it's technically already out, but but Monster Hunter Worlds. I am so hella excited for the the PC version. I've been playing it since, like, the beginning. All you you people who joined in on uh, this one and three, I, I see it. <laughs> well, no, it's fine. I love the fact that people are playing it more, but it's it's. I've been playing it since the beginning. I love it so much. Awesome. Um. So mine, mine also already came out. <laughs> that would be Dragon Ball Fighter Z Fighters. I still don't know how to pronounce it, and I've owned the game for like two weeks. Um, just call it Fighters. It just seems the most expedient way to do it. <laughs> but there's a capital Z on the end. I don't know why they would do that, though. Make it deliberately weird to pronounce. I think it's just fighters. And it's like fighters. I mean, let's be honest. Video game developers are never thinking too hard about how difficult it is to pronounce the titles of their games. Just look at Kingdom Hearts. Oh, God. 2.8 Final Mix HD Pro Plus Squarespace. (laughs) Or like, um... What about some of the Final Fantasy games too? Like, is it Theat Rhythm? Is it Theater Rhythm? Is it Theat Rhythm? Who? I don't, I don't know. Who's to say? Um, somebody. Somebody will say. <laughs> All right. Um. So cool. Glad we. Uh, glad we now know that two of the games that we are most looking forward to in 2018 have already come out. That's a little bit of an anti-climax, isn't it? <laughs> well, I mean, mine I'm still waiting for. True. The, the PC version. So, we, uh... We, like, halfway peak. I'm the sole offender, then. <laughs> yes, most definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so that will about round it out for the first episode of the How Long to Beat podcast. Uh, it is going to be a bi-weekly podcast uh, every two weeks. Uh, hopefully in the future we will not be going over t- two hours by at least too much of a margin. 
Um, well, but I, uh, I hope so because it is uh, just for context half past one. Yes, the... we do want Rick <laughs> to sleep from time to time. We want Rick to sleep, but we don't want him to sleep during the time we're supposed to be recording. Yeah. Are you yeah, are you okay. kidding me? We we need to teach him a lesson. Keep him. It'll can you him. can you repeat the lesson? Because you cut out. <laughs> <laughs> we need to keep him awake forever now because it's his lesson. Ooh, well, I'm not allowed to do to that. That's why I ended up falling asleep. That was the problem. <laughs> that, that was the central issue. All right. Um, any final thoughts from the other two hosts? Um. No. Okay. <laughs> talking about anti-climax. I, I should probably stop talking at this point, because I think it really has been me going off topic. <laughs> that is fine. Yeah, we've been talking <laughs> enough that I think my salivary glands are starting to give out a little bit. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, thank you both for joining me tonight, and uh, thank everybody for tuning in to listen. Uh, catch you all next time. Yeah. Bye.